It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the New Year's resolutions for the Oklahoma City Thunder and the best moments of the Thunder 2022 calendar year. All that and more coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks. we're going to dive into the best moments of the 2022 Thunder season and calendar year, plus New Year's resolutions for the entire Thunder team, and talk briefly about the Celtics matchup tonight in the Paycom Center. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning. We're here for you on YouTube and any other podcasting platforms you can find. So subscribe for free on all those various platforms. And let's dive into these resolutions. So for SGA, it's simply just keep doing your thing. I mean, what can you say about Shea? The, the one thing that you could quabble with is maybe taking more three-pointers. Like that would be a, a great thing just because... You know, it can open up his game a little bit more. He's taking three a game right now, shooting 35% from distance. Uh, But he's never really been a high-volume three-point shooter. He's got five uh, attempts the last two seasons from beyond the arc, which is, of course, two more per game than what he has right now. Uh, But that's really it. Like, everything else has been dramatically improved. His rim finishing improved. He's dunking the ball more. He's scoring at the the mid-range more. He's improved his free-throw percentage by a wide margin. I mean, he's been hovering at the 80% mark his entire career. It's been 80, 80, 80, 81. That's been his entire career from the free throw line. Now it's up to 91, a 10% increase from his career high of last year. It's at 91% from the free throw line, which is which includes an intentional miss and then a couple of abnormal misses these last couple of games. Uh, his rebounding has been good. His playmaking has been excellent. He's been a much better playmaker. It's not showing up right now in the assist category because he's tied for his career high in assists at 5.9. As we'll call it six. He's actually got the highest potential assist on the team. It's not Josh Giddy this year. It's, it's SGA. Then you see the vision. You see the trust in his teammates to get the ball out to them on these drive and kicks, which opens up the possibility of becoming a more high volume assist getter uh, does SGA in the future, but also his playmaking in terms of like his ball handling much improved his passing ability, much improved. Like he's been excellent as a playmaker. His defense has taken a huge step up as well in terms of engagement, in terms of taking on uh, bigger assignments as well. 
his length is on full display uh, without question uh, this year, and, and, the, and that kind of engagement is there. He has a career high in steals per game, 1.7, and a career high in blocks per game at one per game. Him and OG and Obi are the only two players who have uh, gotten at least a steal or a block in every single game, which is a great job by those two guys. And he's averaging 30 points. He's averaging 30 points right now, which includes a 14-point outburst in uh, on New Year's Eve, which kind of drug that number down from where it was at that 31 mark, uh, which is sensational. SGA really just needs to keep going. If you want to add something to his game, it'd be that three-pointer taking it in more volume. Uh, he had a couple good catch-and-shoot looks against the Sixers, which, we, of course, we would love to see him get those more often in games. But for SGA, just keep being consistent and keep being you. Now, Josh Giddy. He has like a distinct one, like get to the free throw line. That is the difference in these players. And I've been saying that about, about SGA for the entirety of this podcast. I took over in May, 2020. Since that date, I've been saying, saying SGA can be a top 15 player. The free throws are going to have to come around. That's what takes you to the next step from 10 to 15 points, 15 to 20, and so on and so forth. Same thing for Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy hardly ever gets to the free throw. Line. It's, a, it's, a, it's a historically low rate. He gets to the line one and a half times a game both his rookie season and this season, same number, one and a half times per game. He gets to the free throw line. You've got to pick that up. And he did over these last couple of weeks. He had a seven uh, free throw night, you know, seven free throw uh, game outing just last week. Like he's been picking up traction in terms of uh, free throw attempts this, this season alone. He's had two seven uh, attempt nights uh, in the last month. And then he had a five attempt night in Atlanta like he's, he's been getting there a little bit more, but you need to keep building upon that, and that comes with aggressive drives and, of course, the way that defenses defend you and respect you when you are driving to the rim to kind of cave in on you and by nature of that swat at, swipe at you, swat at you down low. His offensive rebounding helps go for second-chance looks. Whenever you get that second chance going right up off of a rebound, you're more than likely going to get hacked because of the nature of being physical, trying to get the rebound and then kind of reacting to, I didn't get the rebound and now this guy's going to go up for a shot. I've got to react to too swiftly and I get you a foul a lot of the times. So just in general, find a way for Josh Giddy to get to the free throw line. And Lou Dort. Oh goodness, Lou Dort. It's what a season it's been for Lou Dort. He had the, he had the horrendously bad cold streak to start the year. And off of that cold streak, he played excellent for like a week or two. And then he's kind of, you know, settled off. My thing for Lou Dort is not going to be about shooting threes. That's kind of the easy one. He's shooting 33% from three right now, but his uh, corner three-point shooting rate is, of course, great as it has been his whole career, really. Excluding his rookie season, he shot above 40% from the corner in every single year of his career. His peak was at 46%, his second year in the NBA, and then he shot 44 and now shooting 41% in the corner. Like, I don't really care about the three-point percentage right now because I think that I think that once this team is flushed out, once this team is, is ready to rock and roll, the formula will be... Lou Dort plays incredible defense. He goes into the corner, you drive and kick, and you have him You have him set up these corner threes where he's excellent at from beyond the arc. So I'm not really worried about the three-point line right now. What I am worried about is the rim finishing. The rim finishing has been a point of emphasis for Lou Dort this entire offseason. He said as much. And the decision-making has gotten a little bit better. Like, like, we cannot overreact to the point where we act like he has not improved at all. He's improved a bit in terms of when he decides to shoot the, the layup, when he decides to pass out of it, and how he controls the ball downhill. It's still not perfect, and he never claimed it'd be perfect, but it is improved the way that he said it would be. The finishing, though, just is not there. I mean, it's the worst it's been in his whole career outside of his second year. His second year, he shot 51% at the rim. This year, he's shooting 52% at the rim. 
that ranks in the bottom 20 percentile in the NBA for his position. And it just dramatically changes his impact offensively. Lou Dort, who is built like a tank at 6'4", like he should be able to finish. His stature should be able to finish at the rim. If he could do that, then it changes his entire stat line. Like, mo- like whenever we talk about the, the the free throws doing that for players where, you you know, you you get to the free throw line more and you're obviously going to get more points. For Lou Dort, with as much as he drives, with as frequently as he goes to the rack, and for as bad as he finishes, he could take this from 14 points a night to 17 points a night if he just knocks down these layups. And a lot of the times they're good looks that he just somehow misses. And absorbing contact, of course, will be a big deal for him. But at, at you know, 6'4", 215, you'd expect him to be able to do that. You'd expect him to be able to, be able, be able to take on that contact and finish, but it just has not been there in his whole career. That's the more uh, worrisome part for me in terms of his offense, because I think that the corner threes are there. It's been a consistent trend for the last three years. Like the corner threes are there. That's what you're going to set up for him in the future. Now, with that comes the driving kicks to the three-point line. Whenever the defense, you know, kind of sprints out to close out on you because they understand you can shoot in the corner and they and then you get that flyby, can you go downhill and attack the rim and finish there? He has not shown the ability to do that. And in which case, then, as a defense, you just make sure that you stay playing in front of him because you know that he can't go to the rim and score. You know, you're not worried about giving up the rim or whatever. You're just, you're just kind of worried about attacking out strong to the three-point line. It, it's it's not a good thing for, for, for uh, Lou Dort to be shooting as poorly as he is at the rim, and I hope that that can change for him. Let's move on to Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, J-Dub. Listen, get more aggressive. Mark has talked about this. Um... I've talked about this, like Jalen Williams has been excellent as a rookie. And this is truly just complaining to complain in a sense. So, you know, if you want to do that, criticizing to criticize, but we've got to find something these guys can improve on. And while the numbers typically get there, like typically you're going to get 15 points a night, 10 points a night from Jalen Williams. He scored in double figures more often than not in his NBA career. You know, he, when, when you're going to get there. But whenever you look at the box scores, in the first half, it's like 0 for 2. And then in the second half, it's this humongous, gigantic surge that, uh, you know, that, that, that you see from him to get to the 15 points, to get to, um, you know, the, the, the 20 points even uh, that, that you see him perform with in that San Antonio game. Be more consistent and be more aggressive would be what I would say with Jalen Williams. And it's not necessarily consistency in the in the negative term that we think of, but it's consistently aggressive. He's shown that he can be aggressive. He's shown that he can turn it on offensively and, and you know, take over offensively, both with the ball in his hands and with the ball out of his hands as a playmaker and as a scorer. He's shown he can do it. Do that all the time, from, from tip ball to the final buzzer. Do it all the time. Because he can do it for one half. And it's oftentimes the second half, but sometimes it's been the first half. And then in that second, anyway, in, in the other half, he's just not there in terms of not necessarily not necessarily like not playing well because he still plays you know solid defense and he's still in the right spots, but just kind of floating around, not wanting to get in the way. And then something clicks in the second half and he, and he wants to try to stick his nose in and it results in a lot of success. So it's a good thing, you know, just to keep doing that more and keep finding that aggression more on the offensive end. Coming up, let's talk about the rest of this roster plus the best moments of 2022. But first, I'm going to tell you right now, about our good friends over at Prize Picks, folks. Prize Picks is incredible. Prize Picks is the place to be because you download the app or go to prizepicks.com. You use promo code Locked On. You get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars uh, for your first time use, and it's a fun game to play. 
you don't have to worry about playing against other people. You don't have to worry about getting a group of friends together to play, you know, fantasy. Cause a lot of times, you know, maybe you don't have a ton of uh, friends who are uh, heavily involved in the sports scene to where, you know, you don't have a whole group together for a true league. What price fix allows you to do is just play by yourself and play against the projected numbers. That's all you got to do. It's this easy tonight against Boston. You sit down, you download the price picks app. You go to pricepicks.com. You use our code locked on hundred percent. It's the instant deposit match guarantee. And you pick more or less for say Shea points. So two to six options. You know, you can go more or less Shea points over under 25 and a half. You say more, he gets 26 points. You win that part of the bet. Now the other one might be over under one and a half rebounds for Jalen Williams. You take the over on that, boom, you've won and you get your money uh, tenfold, so to say, in the in the bet. You can up to 25 times your entry. Uh, it's very awesome. Pricepicks.com and the app. Promo code locked on. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LOThunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, we are diving into our New Year's resolutions for the Thunder and our top moments of 2022. For Boku, it's just getting physical more consistently. That's what I have for Pokashevsky. Let's get physical. Let's do it more consistently. There are nights where he brings it and he walls up at the rim and he sticks his nose in it and he takes the beating and he uh, delivers blows. There's nights where he plays 12 minutes because Mark does not think that he's playing physical enough. Like It's been a message from Mark as well to play more physical. That's what he needs to do the rest of this year and we'll see how much of his season he has left. But in terms of the, the calendar year, like moving forward with his game, getting more consistent in terms of bringing that physicality more consistently and um, more uh, intentionally and also just more sustainably will be a big thing for him. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I want to see fearless threes. Now, I've been telling you that Jeremiah Robinson Earl can shoot threes since before the draft and then after the Thunder drafted him. And Richard Stamen had JRE at number 12 on his big board in that draft class of, of, um, of 2021. And in his rookie year, you didn't really see that, um, you know, three-point shot fall all too regularly. He shot three a game and shot 35%, which is still good, but you didn't really see it a ton. Now it's really improved. He's shooting 38% from three. Um, and at one point, we was shooting like 40% from three, you know, in terms of like the earlier sample size in the season. Jeremiah Robert Stroke can truly stroke it and can truly provide a ton of spacing as a 6'8 center, you know, 6'8, six, 6'9 six, center that the Thunder like to use him on especially as a trailer. Like the, the, the big skill set for him will be SGA in transition gets downhill, but somehow the defense reacts to it, cuts him off at the rim. And now you've got Jerry trailing down the floor and you hit him at the, at the non-corners, like around the top of the key uh, in the slot. And he shoots 41% in the non-corner three on 46 attempts, which is in the 85th percentile in the NBA for his position. Like trailing threes for him will be awesome. 
but he's got to take them. He's got to take them fearlessly and not worry about what the defense is doing and not allow the defense to react to him, not hesitate. You know, that little shot fake where the defense can now adjust back to you and now you're taking a worse shot or passing off of what was once an open shot, but now you got to reset and find another open shot for an offense that struggles at, at sometimes uh, to do that. Like, you need to take them. You need to take the threes that you get uh, for Jerry because you can make them and no one will be mad at you for shooting the three. Uh, for Kenny Hustle, you know, focusing this year on finding an offensive identity. The hustle plays are awesome. The defense is awesome. And and offensively, he's shown you that he can cut off ball. He's shown you can lay screens and roll to the rim. He's shown you can do kind of what is necessary. He's also shown you some shot creation ability, some behind-the-back move, step-back, mid-range jumpers at the elbow. He's shown some catch-and-shoot-three ability. But what is the identity of Kenneth Williams offensively? What will be the bread and butter? What will be the action? What will be the, the thing defenses have to adjust to for Kenny Hustle? He's shooting 50% on corner threes on 20 attempts this year, 37% from three overall, which is his second career best. His first was his first year in OKC, which was the no fans years, like the sight lines and stuff inflate the numbers a bit. But that season, he did shoot 45% from three, uh, but he's shooting 50% in the corner this year, which is his second best as well in his career. He's shooting awesome in the mid-range, and that will be what I think his identity will be is his mid-range shot because he's shooting 50% in the mid-range on 39 attempts, especially long mid-range. He's shooting uh, um, 61%, all these according to cleaning the glass. And at the rim, he's having a career year at the rim, 70% at the rim. So I think that inside of the arc, uh, pick and pops, you know, ghost screens, slips to the rim, those will be where he's where he's best at. Even sitting in the dunker spot and getting that that kind of dish off from a, a driving giddy whose floater isn't there, or from Shea who gets cut off at the rim, and that defender steps up off of Kenny Hustle to try to um, anticipate SGA, and then he dumps it off in the pocket to Kenny Hustle. Like that will be his identity, I think. But filling that role more often will be an interesting thing to watch for uh, Kenny Hustle. Trey Mann. Man, find a groove from three. I th- I think that Trey Mann is back in the sense of I think his confidence looks there again. Uh, I think that his scoring at the rim has taken a huge uptick in these small amount of games we've gotten to see since the bubble. Uh, I think that his defensive engagement has been there since kind of getting that reset in the uh, not the bubble. I'm sorry, since getting that reset in the G League uh, at the showcase. It's just been about three pointers. That's all it's been about. At the rim, he's shooting a career best, uh, much improved from last year. He's shooting 63%, which is in the 49th percentile of his position from three though. He's down to 29% overall 29% on non corner threes where the majority of his threes happen and 33% on corner threes. Like finding that groove from three really helps everything else. Cause he's there at the rim. Like, like that, that, that number at the rim is very respectful for his size and his skill set, And it's only going to get better. I think that I think he's truly improved his rim finishing just based on his confidence and the way that he looks attacking these last couple of games. But can you get it going from three? Because that's going to be your swing skill. That's going to be what keeps Trey Mann on the thunder. That's going to be what keeps Trey Mann in the NBA. Is that is getting that three-pointer to come around. Because he does scrap on defense. And he tries hard on defense. He's engaged on the end of the floor. And you see him get, get in the passing lanes very well. But in the half-court setting, when the game slows down in the playoffs, let's see if he can do it then. Which is unfair to him, because we, we don't know if he can or can't at 22 years old. He's never been put in that situation before. But that is still a little bit of a concern for man moving forward. So you've got to make sure that your offense is there as a spark plug microwave score off the bench. You can shoot threes and score at all three levels. You've got to, you know, you've got to try to do that. Everything is down offensively for him besides rim finishing mid range is down from 41% to 38%. Three pointers are down from 36% to 29%. You've got to get that shot back. And I think a lot of it is, you know, confidence, groove, flow, whatever the case is. Let's see you do that this year. Trey man for Aaron Wiggins. Got to improve rim finishing. 
for Wiggins. Like Wiggins' big thing will be improving at the rim because we know he can make these timely cuts, which should set up just wide open dunks, and he should have the ability to um, you know flush those and be in a good spot for the Thunder overall. But the rim finishing is not there. It's it's down five percent from last year, down to sixty percent, which ranks in the uh, bottom twenty second percentile in the NBA. Three point shooting is up from him though which is a great sign. Even in the non-corners, he's up to 39%, which is in the 85th percentile. Uh, long mid-range is there as well. But getting better at the rim will be huge for uh, Wiggins uh, in terms of running in transition, filling the lanes correctly, cutting off ball, and allowing the offense to flow a lot better as he plays really good defense. For Mike Muscala, look, let's just see if he can score like 25 points in a game. How cool would that be? Like a, like a massive Muscala game. Got one the other night where he scored like 17 and he had a podium game. But like, let's see just a massive, incredible, sensational Mike Muscala game where, where like he leads the podcast the next day. I think that'd be pretty cool for Muscala to have that uh, in his age 31, 32 season if we get into next year without him scoring, you know, 20-something points a game uh, for the Thunder. It'll be a lot of fun, though. I, I think that, uh, I hope that we can see that from him because it, it's just going to take minutes, which he's going to get now more of due to injuries. And it's going to take... Uh, you know, getting hot from three one night, which he's capable of doing. His career high is 24. Let's see him get a career high, you know, for his career in Oklahoma City. Why not? His career high in Oklahoma City is 23. His career high overall, overall is 24. Let's see if he can get there uh, this season or next. For Darius Baisley, play your role. And again, this is a he said, she said, or like, like you know, something we'll never know, so to say. Because for Baisley, like, we don't know what role he's being, he's being told to play. But from the outside, like, man, the role he should be playing is as a modern big. Like, you you just slip to the rim. You just stay in the dunker spot. You just cut uh, from behind the action in the corner. Like, you don't sit in the corner shooting threes. You don't you don't get the ball in isolation on the wing and try to drive to the rim. You just simply be Dwight Powell, only be 6'9", or whatever he is, right? Like, you can't be Dwight Powell's height, but you can be a 6'9", Dwight Powell. And play excellent defense where you shift one through five, which Powell can't do. So that makes you incredibly more valuable than Dwight Powell. But offensively, be Dwight Powell. Can he do it? Is he being told to do it? We don't know. Uh, but try to do it this year, in my opinion, for Darius basically. Uh, for Usman Jang, I want to see him come back this year, hopefully, from injury. Uh, you know, the wrist stuff, it's been two wrist injuries now in the last calendar year. They say it's unrelated to the to the other one, though, to be clear. Like they, they, the Thunder say that the injuries are unrelated, so I just want to make you aware that, of that point. But... Hopefully he's back this year. And then kind of just like the only thing about Jang is there's times where he's floating around the court and not in the action. And for a lottery pick, even the G League level, he does that. And for a lottery pick, especially in G League, you should not be doing that. And then the NBA, getting that confidence and aggression offensively will be a good thing for him. And sadly, you know, before the injury, we saw his best NBA game. We saw one of his best G League stretches where he, he was putting up 20-point double-doubles a night in the G League, and then he got the hurt, the hurt wrist. So maybe he's found that. Like, so, it, it, you know, this is just what we've seen to this point. But I want to give it the caveat of we might have already seen that from him uh, just prior to the injury. And then for J-Whale, confidence. Confidence, confidence, confidence. He struggled with this way back, you know, in October, November, December of, of the uh, G League season. You know, but then in the latter portion of the G League season, like more, more recently, like the last month or so of the G League season, he's been aggressive. He's been confident. Uh, he's played with more force offensively. He's shot the open threes. He's been playing a role for him, which results in triple doubles, results in double doubles each night. Like it results in him being an excellent player in the in the G League. It has not resulted, though, in that play translating at the NBA level so far. There are times where he looks wide-eyed. There are times where he looks 
um, overwhelmed. There are times where he looks like unsure or, or scared, even with the ball in his hands, where he has a wide open look and passes it up. Look, if they're going to leave you wide open, shoot. Like you've shown the G that you can shoot a little bit. You can play, play make it out of the post. If they leave you just totally disregarded, shoot the ball. You know, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. I want to see that confidence come for Jay Will at the uh, NBA level. Coming up, let's talk best moments of 2022 for the Oklahoma City Thunder. But first, I want to tell you right now, better good friends over at betonline.net. Betonline.net is incredible, and it's very awesome for you to go to right now. You go to betonline.net, go to their sports book, you can go to basketball, and you can find all these different games to bet on and to bet on different items as well. For example, tonight's Thunder game, the Thunder are eight and a half underdogs at home to the Celtics, but it's not just about games. It's about futures as well. They have specials like how will LeBron James break the all-time NBA points record? Will it be a two-point shot? Will it be a three-point shot? Will it be a free throw? How will he do it? The leader in the clubhouse right now is a two-point shot at minus 285. The underdog, like the the you know, play for your money, is three-point shot at plus 550. If you want to go that route as well, some people speculate that maybe he tries to do a Kareem skyhook, which would be, it would be fascinating if he did that. You know, that would be really something. Rookie of the year odds, Paulo Bencaro, the leader in the clubhouse at seven at minus 700. Uh, most improved player, SGA, the leader there. So go bet on all that stuff over at betonline.net, betonline where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your second listen, check out the Game to Game podcast, recapping every single game from the association the night before in 30 minutes or less, so you never know and never forget what happened in the association. You can always find it out. Now, subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms and on YouTube to Locked on Thunder. On YouTube, drop below your resolutions for each player and your best moment from the Thunder season in 2022 and the Thunder year in the last calendar year. Also, if you're not going to be on YouTube, if you're going to be on a podcatcher, go over to Twitter at Ridley underscore Styles and let me know there as well. So the best moments of 2022, by far the best moment was winning the second pick in the NBA draft lottery and selecting Chet Holmgren. The feeling in which you had when Nick Collison was there in the Thunder, captured the number two overall pick and leaped up to number two. It felt like this had all been worth it. It felt like basketball was Back in Bricktown, things were incredible. The Thunder just got a guy in Chet Holmgren who is viewed as this unicorn who can be a top three guy in the organization. It was amazing. And you follow that up with Summer League, where Josh Giddy looked elite. I mean, seriously elite. He looked exactly the way that you want your sophomore to look. He looked like he should not be on the court. And in fact, he shouldn't have been. 
He told me after the game Friday, that I mean, uh, Saturday, that he had to beg Sam Presti to play on, in Vegas. And then even after his last Vegas game, he said he, he said he went off the court and immediately texted Sam Presti, like, hey, can I can I play again? And Sam Presti, of course, said no. Uh, but he had that poster slam. Don't forget about that amazing slam dunk with that amazing J-Dub reaction. J-Dub showed you he can be a very good player and scored all three levels and play defense. Like, like J-Dub's defense in the, in the Summer League was sensational. Uh, and then, most importantly, no offense to the other two, most importantly, Chet Holmgren was absurdly good. Like, he got national attention from the NBA world. Kevin Durant was giving him props on Twitter. He had instant chemistry from Josh Giddy on and off the floor. Remember that interview after the game where Holmgren would refuse to do it without, without Giddy and it just warmed everybody's hearts? That was amazing to see. The Dirk fadeaway, the domination you saw in Salt Lake City and Vegas from, from Holmgren. Oh, it felt like the Thunder were back, baby. And then the the, the the pressing news of Holmgren's injury in August really put a damper on things. But still, with that depressing news and with the season that we thought, well, with Holmgren out, it's time for Victor Mignogna. The Thunder are 15-21, and 21, which is the same number of losses as the Bulls, as the Raptors, as the Lakers, as the, as the Timberwolves who made an all-in move for this year. And you have the same number of losses as them, as the Wizards, you know, the, the, the Hawks are only two games up in the, in the loss column on you. The, the surging red hot, uh, uh, jazz are only one game better than you in the loss column. Like, and you don't have Chet yet. Like you don't have Chet. Your best, your second best player is sitting on the sidelines in a walking boot. It really puts into perspective how incredible that this thing can be. And it puts into perspective how house money this season is. Either this young Thunder team who is without their second best asset, is going to make the play-in and thus return to the national spotlight, thus return to the playoffs, you know, the postseason, however you want to classify the play-in. Or these injuries will derail their season in the, in the record column. It'll, it'll derail their season. And they'll finish with the fourth or fifth uh, or at worst sixth square structure in the NBA. And let's just say they stay at, pat, at six, which is where they're currently at in the NBA, reverse standings at sixth. At six, they have a 37.2% chance at a top four pick in the draft. A draft that is viewed as historic. They have a 9% chance at the top overall pick for a player who is considered generational and the best prospect we've ever seen since LeBron James and Victor Mignogna. That's if they just stay here and don't move up or down or anything. No matter how the season pans out, you are going to be feeling really good at the end of it. Because even if they just play to this pace the whole year, you're going to feel really good about the improvement that you saw from this team, plus having 10% chance at Victor Mignogna, plus having 37% chance at top four pick. You're going to feel really good. Plus, you're in the sweet spot of the sixth overall pick in this draft class where I've talked to scouts and everyone behind the scenes says there's seven, eight names deep of guys that they think can be a top three player in your organization. And at six, you have the draft capital not to go get Victor Mignogna, not to go get Scoot Henderson. Like th- Those guys are off the limits. No, no draft capital gets those guys. But you do have the draft capital to go up and trade for the fourth pick, for the third pick, get a Cam Whitmore, get a Brennan Miller, get somebody uh, who you like at that second tier more than you like at six, and have them for nine seasons. So even if they just play the pace right here, you love the outcome. 
if their record gets derailed a bit by injuries and they then have an even better chance at the top sensational overall player in Victor Mignogna and Scoot Henderson, who I view as the Jalen Green of this draft, right? Like it was all Kate Cunningham, all Kate Cunningham, but Jalen you know, Jalen Green was an incredible player. And I had him one B, not number two in my draft podcast that we did that, that season. Same way about, about Scoot. Like, yes, it's Victor Mignogna. Yes, he's number one, but one B is Scoot Henderson for me. Watching him in person was, was, was eye popping watching him on the Paycom center floor. And I hope that we get to do that again next year. Uh, but um, nonetheless, you like any outcome this year. But that was a damper whenever Chet Holmgren went out, obviously. Uh, best moments also include SGA turning into a superstar. We've talked about a superstar status. Let's talk about a specific moment for this for this exercise. The specific, the specific moment was the buzzer beater against Portland. It's in OKC. Dame just set the all-time Blazers scoring record, which which we might never see a player do again, and it will be very few players to ever to ever climb that mountaintop again for organizations just based upon player movement in the modern society. Uh, so you saw that historic moment. You saw SGA hit a buzzer beater at home, a turnaround baseline mid-range jumper that everyone thought was going to go in at the, at the time. You beat a playoff caliber team. You end up sweeping Portland that, that weekend. It felt that buzz of excitement, it felt like you were nearing the playoff contention at that point. Not even, uh, you know, with Chet Holmgren, not even back yet. It was an awesome game. It was an awesome environment. It's the best game I've gotten to cover so far. Like, it's it's been, anyway, in person anyway. It's been an awesome stretch. Like, that was the moment to me where you had your superstar spoil their superstars moment. And, of course, it didn't truly spoil it. It's a regular season loss, but it was a still all-time great moment. Getting Being in the building to witness that moment was was just chilling and I've, I've talked about that a lot how how goosebump inducing it was uh, but it was awesome and so that was kind of the moment for me of sga season so far uh poku looking like a rotational piece and making such a massive jump it was a great moment josh giddy's december like best month of his career 15 points per game nine rebounds per game five assists per game 49 percent from the floor 43 percent from the three th- uh, from the three-point line and 90 percent at the free throw line that was good to see him kind of the quiet people who thought he was going to have a sophomore slump after after a little bit of a slow start due to injury and due to kind of adjusting to the NBA lifestyle after the book's out on you. The, the December run was awesome. And in that run, he not only looked good independently, he looked good with Shea, which has been another thing that people wanted to, to kind of start up that conversation way too soon. Giddy's December was very fun to watch. And then what a fun breakout it was to watch Isaiah Joe just become Ray Allen for like a couple of weeks. Like that was awesome. And he's still playing, he's still playing incredibly well, but like you, you know the height of the Isaiah Joe buzz was, was just the cherry on top of that run. He's still shooting 44% from three, by the way, uh, in this season. And so we'll see him try to continue to do that throughout the rest of this uh, season and year. And the last thing, the big moment, uh, OKC returning to national television. That announcement, that um, pop on Twitter felt like the Thunder were back. They were on a, they were on a winning streak. Um, you know, winning like what for the last five games that they played, they're going to go play Charlotte um, in Charlotte that night, which you thought at the time was going to be a very easy win to continue that winning streak and, and to push you closer to the playoffs. And, and at that point, what would have, would have put you like a half game out of the play in. And then of course you lose to Charlotte, you lose to Philadelphia. But uh, at the time that was a great moment. And, and, and still, no matter those two losses and no matter what happens against Boston and Orlando and up until that point uh, here in a couple of days, to have the NBA acknowledge, hey, this, the Thunder are doing things the right way. The Thunder are having a lot of young uh, players at the same time. And the Thunder are worthy of our time. And and to get them in our primetime slot, we're going to take out Embiid, take out Harden, take out Maxi, take out tried and true ratings drawlers for the Heat to have Jimmy Butler and Bam 
but really it's for the Thunder. Like that that was a huge moment for the NBA to do that and a huge moment for this franchise and a huge moment for this rebuild. So like that is still a very cool moment to end 2022, um, which will a moment that will happen in 2023. But let me know your best moments from the, from the season, from the year, and your New Year's resolutions for the Thunder all coming up uh, and below on YouTube and on Twitter. Coming up, though, we're going to recap the Celtics game on Wednesday, recap the match that came on Thursday, and then on Friday, it's your mailbag questions. Get them in on YouTube and on Twitter as well. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.